everybody. I'm Alan, and Brent's not here. No, no, no. <laughs> but even better, I'm here with three of the three. Can you guys introduce yourselves? Hey, my name is Michael Richards. I'm the director of quality assurance at a software company that does software for the commercial real estate industry. I'm Vernon Richards, no relation to Michael, uh, and I'm an independent tester from the UK. You guys look like brothers. Just <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Percy Ababa. I am a test manager for uh, a very big uh, healthcare company. Smith and Smith? Yes, something yeah, like something that. Like that. <laughs> yes, something like yes. that. Something like that. Percy also a contributor to our <clears throat> mailbag, which we don't have today. Hey, we are together because we're at Test Bash. Mm. You guys having a good time at Test Bash? Oh, yeah. Very In good. Philadelphia. My very first time to Philadelphia. How yeah. about you? Uh, I came once when I was 15 with my mom. Haven't been back <laughs> since. All right. Anybody else been to Philadelphia before? No, never. You, first like, time. live here. Percy. I, I live, like, 70 miles from here, but... This is actually technically where I was born because I oh. came here in this country via Philadelphia, I don't know, 20, no, 17 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Okay. My first time here. I've been to like like 40 plus of the states, but I've never been to Philadelphia. Wow. Okay. Uh, most of my state traveling when I was a younger lad. Mm-hmm. If there's not a Microsoft office, I probably haven't been there. If there's a Microsoft office, a, a big one with engineering, I've probably been there. That means I've been to great places like Fargo, <laughs> tourist never, destination. Never been to North Dakota. I've been to 45 of the 50, and that's <laughs> not one. <laughs> I've never been to Maine. That's just like a few miles away, right? I'll just drive right up. No? I've never been to Delaware. Yeah, it's like 11 now, hours. That's really a few miles drive. away. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've only ever been to New York, so this is my second state now. I've so you're not from the U.S.? No, I'm not. That's not a, I thought it was a southern accent. No. <laughs> no I'm, I'm not American. You'll be surprised to hear. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> is that okay? I'm a do little I, jealous right now. Do I need to leave? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is day one, the end of uh, day one of Test Bash, a two-day single-track event full of some really cool talks. I've been, I for one have been impressed. When I go to the Star conferences and Lee Copeland's going to listen to this and be mad that there's so many tracks and my the way i get value out of a conference like star is i bounce around because mm. i like uh oh, this one isn't very good or not, not a great right. speaker not well prepared and from that from my willingness to bounce around and lee actually encourages that i actually get good value here but conference like this i was a little worried single track event mm. but all the talks are really good mm. so at least in my opinion so i thought we could just kind of go around and talk about our favorite test bash event uh, and just see where that goes. My favorite was the last talk from Elizabeth, whose last name I've forgotten. Zagroba. 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 And the reason I liked it is because I'm an introvert. Like, and let me, and I just got the, the, no. the, the, the WTF look from <laughs> Vernon. Uh, because she gets what being an introvert is. People who are extroverts, people who don't actually think about who introverts are, think of them as these people that just kind of they're, think of them as recluses, like people that don't like to mm. talk to people. I can be friendly. I can give talks. I can try and be entertaining. But you it can host a podcast. But it requires yeah. great effort from me. So if I have a day full of meetings or if I have to teach like a workshop or even give a talk tomorrow, I will be exhausted afterwards. I, it I, just, so introversion is uh, it's a internal preference, but what a lot of people don't realize, it's really the effort that it requires. I can act extroverted, but it requires me 10x the effort that it requires. 
a extroverted person who's naturally extroverted. I can do it. I can play that game. And you have to be to be successful in in a career for this long and deal with people and not just mm. and have a lot of opportunities I've had. I've had to play the part of being a loud person, not just loud. That's a, that is a bad that's a that's a bad stereotype on extroverts. <laughs> Again, extroverts aren't just the loud like frat boys. They're the people who it requires energy from them to not talk to people. <laughs> like if, if you're an extrovert, yeah. you're like, well, but I want to talk to them. I want to find out this and this and this and this. And for them, it requires more energy to not do that. And for me, it requires the energy to, to actually get out there and have conversations. The last question from Marit really nailed it for me because I, I'm, well, I'm pretty sure I'm an extrovert with maybe introverted um, traits every once in a while. But the thing is, in order to find out if someone is an introvert, I have to bother them or I need to interact with them to the point where they're going to have to now use some energy to let me know how better. And I don't really want to do that. I kind of just want to be able to just identify somehow if they're introverts without bothering them. And yeah, so it's a bit of a catch-22. I'm, al- I'm always surprised when people tell me that, like, I gave you the face because I'm like, what? The- I, just, I just cannot detect who Fake is Take it e- until you make it. I can't do it. Every last one of my friends who told me they're introverted, I'm, I'm like startled beyond all belief. I can't believe it. I'm like, what? You? They're like, yeah, I just, need to, I just need to just tap out and get the hell out of here and just recharge because I'm drained, I'm dead. And I- I'm always surprised by that because they always just seem to be always up. Well, and with and with what Elizabeth said was really important that you know it's it's not it's, it's the preference it's yeah, what exactly, you prefer yeah. to do and you know I I it's kind of interesting I don't know what I am I don't know if I'm an extrovert or an introvert under certain circumstances I'm absolutely an introvert yeah I feel the so same leave me alone let me go do what I want to do <laughs> and and other times I'm very extroverted I was a radio DJ for eight years <laughs> I just I learned how to be that way and I, okay. I still kind of carry it to a certain extent but if I get into a situation where I have an extreme extrovert. Hmm. I'm all I, I shut down I'm gone I, I I will shut off and that meeting's done I'm pretty sure Susan Cain has a TED talk and if you haven't watched it you should absolutely go and watch it it's really really good very insightful yeah and I can I can identify with what, what Michael is saying that whether you're an introvert or an extrovert it's not like a binary function that gets returned a value that you are this yeah. or that there's definitely a spectrum by which certain aspects or certain parameters where you can be an extrovert. I mean, I come from uh, the Philippines in Southeast Asia and the power distance index, for example, uh, which is the sense of how you deal with people who you think are your leaders or your elders. Like out here in the West, you're being dealt as if you're a peer, right? So you can talk freely, you can disagree freely. Uh, At the end of the day, there's no harm no harm no foul technically but from my culture it's hard for me to kind of talk over someone who i know is either much older than me who is my boss and it took me well i'm still dealing with it until now i've been in this country for like 17 years now and i'm still dealing with that on Mm. a daily basis it it gets worse as you see these uh uh titles that go up and i'm in the same room as them i i I just clamp up (laughs) so (laughs) Yeah, one thing that uh, would have been uh, a good answer to one of the questions Elizabeth was asked around how can you like, recognize mm. these things uh, is there's a lot of good books and some bad books, but some writing at least on this idea of emotional quotient, mm. which is a lot of people look at that EQ is like 
making sure uh, you're not being a dick. But there's a lot to it. It's, it's recognizing how you're coming across mm. and how you're being interpreted sort of in real time as you're having yeah. a conversation. And recognizing that people with different, whether it's a cultural background or introversion, extroversion, yeah. the way they're reacting, the way they're taking part in that conversation and recognizing in real time how it's both influenced by what you're saying and, and everybody else's participation is uh, a skill that anyone with any sort of leadership or management would really, it's, it's like the, one of the hardest things to do, but it's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, um, that was my fave event so far. We have tomorrow to go, but, but Vernon, what, what has been your favorite <coughs> event so far at Test Bash Philadelphia 2016? So it was also Elizabeth's talk, but also the scavenger hunt was pure genius. That was so, so good. So you can um, talk a little bit about, uh, frame that for the, yeah. the three that haven't heard about, oh, wait a minute. If the three are here, <laughs> who's who the hell is going to listen to this podcast? You know who's going to be? Some other <laughs> oh, no, I know who it's going to be. It's the person who's not in this room fondling his mic stand. Mm, <laughs> the testacular Mr. one. Mr. Brent. <laughs> well, well, Mark might listen. You're right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, there's a scavenger. So how, how this works was... Um, one of the organizers, uh, Richard Bradshaw, who's a friendly tester on Twitter, um, set us uh, a mission to go and explore Philadelphia. <clears throat> and we had to go and find interesting things and make notes on them and return and give that information to our product owner. And he set some- He didn't some say product owner initially. Did he? Oh, ah, no, oh he, okay. He, he, what he said was, here's, here's the scavenger hunt, here's the parameters as far as the boundaries are concerned, here are the points of interest, go. Ah, but okay. also, it wasn't like a real. I'm gonna interrupt. It wasn't a real, like a traditional no, scavenger hunt. No, because we didn't. We were told goals, where to go, yeah. but not what to look for. Exactly. Right. So there, there were some traps along the way that uh, many of us blundered into, uh, and we had to come back and uh, answer some questions that we didn't know about in advance. So we had to just go out, explore, uh, like Alan said, gather some information that we didn't know whether it was the right information, to what degree of detail. Uh, and then the questions came out an hour later and we had to answer the questions and submit them by with a deadline. And so it was very interesting how the different teams uh, captured all of that, uh, tackled that problem. It was really good. Really, really good. I think what was really interesting is, is <coughs> after the fact, when everyone came back and you saw such a disparity in who really was able to think through what this is really trying to teach us. Yeah. And that they went back to Richard and asked him, what's the goal here? Mm. Because so often we go just running out to test or to do whatever <laughs> it is we do, and we don't know what the outcome is supposed to be. We don't know what the final goal is. We don't have really the, the um, definition of done, if you will. I, yeah, it was, it was very – so it sounds completely random and inappropriate for a, a software testing conference to do that, but the parallels between, uh, like Michael was saying, our, our work and the scavenger hunt were quite, quite you know – yeah, I thought it was a great event just from the perspective of taking advantage of the venue. Mm, yeah. Where uh, you couldn't tell from where we're at, like that we're so close, where that we're at the Fringe Arts Theater in Philadelphia. Yeah. You can't tell that we are like a quarter mile from Betsy Ross's house. Yeah. You walk up the hill, it's like history slamming you yeah. in the face. Big time history. It's absolutely fantastic. It's brilliant. And, and I've got a couple of testers on my team. My entire team is here. And I've got a couple, in fact, the majority of my testers aren't even from the United States. Mm. They're, they're from, I've got one from Ukraine, I've got a number from India. 
And for them, this was a great history tour of the United wow. States. Awesome. And they absolutely loved going to Independence Hall and seeing you know, where the Liberty Bell is, et cetera. And they didn't realize it was really Liberty Bell is not that big. <laughs> but but, but um, Wait a minute. I didn't make it to Liberty Bell. I thought it was like six feet tall. No. Hey, you know, yeah, same. Yeah, I thought it was going to be some gigantic man-sized thing. That was really not as big as you think, and so uh, you know, I'm going <laughs> home. <laughs> but but I think, I, and, and I'm going to you know piggyback on on what Vernon's saying. This is my favorite as well because of the fact that it took an object lesson, and Richard did an excellent job. Oh, I and mean, he's he's even, even now you know worried that it didn't turn out the way he expected. I think it, it you know nailed it in spades. He nailed it. <laughs> um, and and the way in which it was done, and how he followed up at the end with the questions he asked, and mm. the and the, the yeah, he had to lead occasionally, but by the same token, it, it worked out to the point where I don't know that anyone's going to go away from this not having yeah. this as an object lesson in their in their pocket. And, and shout out to uh, Martin Hinier as well uh, for doing a sterling job as a terrible product owner. <laughs> <laughs> and does anyone else find it interesting? I mean, I guess you're from that country too. What's it called? The UK? UK, yep. <laughs> no, no, no. The, so, country, the country is England. You're correct. It's sad that probably 20% of Americans can figure that out. Okay, where was I? Oh, we have the foreigners. The foreigners mm. coming to America. That's how it's pronounced. <laughs> As of two days ago, it's pronounced America. Um, coming to America and giving us, and then setting up a scavenger hunt of historic American sites. Amazing. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on that too, because that's really where, like, one of the stuff that was pretty interesting. I was, I was in a group where mostly are like the people that are in my team. So we're a very freshly uh, set up team, and our boss was even in that. Huh. The the disadvantage that I saw in that though, it was interesting, but it was disadvantageous because my boss grew up in this area. So he ended up being our tour guide. So he had so much background history that he started talking about, you know, what are the other stuff that kind of happened here? Like for example, the, hmm. uh, the Christchurch uh, burial site uh, where Benjamin Franklin was buried. There's actually four other original signers of the uh, uh, yes, Declaration of Independence yes. that were also buried there. So he had all these like tidbits uh, that he was, you know, telling us while we were going through. But the problem is, we be, uh, I would completely blame him. I, I, he actually follows our pod, uh, the pod, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but, um, it's our it, podcast. Our po- yes, our. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. This is what happens when Brent is not here. <laughs> <laughs> He's been usurped. Um, uh, <laughs> is that when, when you're actually in a testing team and you have someone who is sort of an expert, they kind of yeah. lead you towards other avenues where he thinks it's important instead of giving you the chance to be able to you know look around and look at those opportunities mm. where you can actually dig for stuff that you find interesting and i think like for me that was the one thing that kind of uh was front and center and then after towards the middle of that uh exercise we just started ignoring everything that <laughs> like the Ministry of Testing were, were tweeting about because we were just engaged and was just looking around and just did not care about the product at all. It's funny because the, after the, that, because <laughs> su- I was in the same team as uh, Alan, but the sub team, because we split up into sub teams um, that I was on, there were two Philadelphians on the team, but they hadn't really engaged with the history of the city so it so was it was a, it wasn't the same as the experience that you had there is a fantastic parallel there though yeah how many times have you been working like you 
whether it's a tester, a, a, a developer, you're using an app that you've used before, they use it for a long time, mm. and they just get they're just so comfortable with sort of working around it and working within its its glitches and things mm. that new set of eyes come in and you go, well, why does it do that? Do what that? Oh crap, that's a bug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's the same thing. You get the native yeah. going, and this is, this is, well, what is that? What? I never looked at that before. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly what it was. Uh, hello, Georgia and Mike. I don't know if you listen to this, but yeah, they, uh, they, there were some bits that they really knew, but there was a lot of it. They're like, oh, I didn't know that was here. No. Okay. I forgot about that. And, and this, even the, the, the venue that we're in now is, has history. Um, that, that Mark was telling me about. So I was sharing the history of this building with Georgette and Mike, and they were like, "What? I didn't even know. I didn't even know that was that was a thing." So, was, so yeah, that was uh, that was pretty cool. I think ultimately the 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 takeaway from from that specific experience comes down to looking at things in a different way and making sure you know from taking it back to a testing aspect, we're our our jobs are basically to provide quality no matter where it comes from, no matter what avenue. And if it comes from a tweet, if it comes from, which is how Ministry of Testing mm. uh, chose to provide us with some of the details of how the product is supposed to be. And, and realizing that we don't always, we have to talk to people. We have to ask the right questions. We have to talk to the product owners. We have to provide that information back to our teams and to the developers. And however we go about doing that, that's our job. And, and that's what I think was really cool about it. Hmm. Cool. Any other highlights from the day you wanted to mention? I think Nancy Kellen's talk. I mm. wanted to talk about Nancy, On, but I want to hear your take first. Um, it's, it's pretty ironic for me in a sense that she was talking about context-driven testing, but then she realized that there's some times where we can be very imperialistic about like we can, we can be very imperious about how we employ context-driven testing. I thought what she did was 100% pure, unadulterated, context-driven testing. Like it was, it was like, what is going, what is my problem, and what, what is the best solution right now, and that's the thing that I'm going to do. I, I, I found it interesting that it, I interpreted what she was saying as I ended up not doing context-driven testing because of the context, right. because of the context, <laughs> right. and I, I was and like. You just did one. You you couldn't have done any. It couldn't have been any more context driven. What right. I did that I that realization really for me was was the big key. Right. That she had to go through that experiment, realize that it didn't work, and then step back and said, "No, this does not work for well, this particular situation." I felt like it did work. Yeah. I went into her talk. I mean, I looked at the title. I thought, ah, oh, crap. Mm -hmm. Somebody else spouting off about <laughs> CDT. And my stance is testing, if you're doing it right, it's context-driven by definition. You ha if you're not, mm. otherwise, guarantee you're preaching to the choir. Because anyone coming to a conference like this is not going, I love writing test cases and executing them exactly <laughs> the script. I'm going to go to a conference and learn more about that. No. It's, it's, so I was pleasantly surprised. I don't. I'm I'm a little burned out on the where I'm a context-driven tester and mm. I think if you're doing as any sort of coach consultant, in my line is all knowledge work, all good knowledge work is context-driven. Mm. So I went in there with like my bit flipped a little bit already, <laughs> but she gave a fantastic talk that talked brilliant. about 
problem solving in yeah. organizations. If you call that talk problem solving in organizations, to me, I mean, that's, I, I get why it was titled that and why it works. Mm. I'm not nothing against it for that. But it was a dang good talk talking about mm -hmm. I go in, I recognize the problems, I don't try and change everything at once. It's boiled frogs, right. you change what you can. Her story about, now I gotta remember, I remember like what it echoed in my head, but she, there was some story about, uh, oh no, it was somebody else. I'm gonna change topics, because I'm already, <laughs> this is the way A-B testing works. <laughs> tangent. <laughs> we have a tangent. Uh, I forget who, someone was talking about, uh, oh, it was um, the talk before Elizabeth Christina. Christina. Uh, she mentioned that this team wanted to do BDD, but the director mm. said, no, you cannot do BDD. <laughs> and she goes, I'm going to do BDD anyway. I'm, I'm going to tell you. It reminded me of my very first day at Microsoft when I was handed this list of test cases in a printed out Excel spreadsheet. And manage, my manager gave them to me and I said, okay, I got it. When do you need these automated by? He goes, oh no, <laughs> we don't have time to automate. I just need you to run these every day. <laughs> so I, that was a Monday. I had them automated by Thursday. <laughs> oh, God, so it kind of like that is a great, that's a skill that, again, a knowledge worker should have to know, okay, I know what you said and I know why you said it, but it's not right. So I'm going to do the right thing for you. Great example. Give them what they need versus what they want. That's what I was going to say. Right. Understanding what, 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 what's driving this request. And then can I, can I meet that need? Can I scratch that itch? Yeah, and that's another part of emotional quotient. One of the things yeah. I talked about a minute ago, it's realizing when you say something that I think is dumber than crap, mm. there's a reason for that. Exactly. I, think, okay, I know you're a smart guy. There's a reason you said that exactly. dumb thing. And then in as much real time as I can, figure out where you're coming from right. so I can interpret and ask you the right precision or probing questions yeah. and then actually give you what you need. Is that a new yeah. word? What, what's that? Interpret. <laughs> Interpret? Yeah. It is now. It is now. <laughs> New word. <laughs> I don't know the sound, well, I, I don't I know really, sound effect for that. I really liked uh, Christina's talk. I'm, I, I'm actually in charge of the, the change management for the engineering and product teams uh, at, at my company. And so, it, you know, I, I'm a communicator by nature. And so it's, it's, we're going through this period now. Two years ago, we had to move buildings very, very quickly. We had a very short time frame because the building that we were in, um, the, the company sold it. And so we had to move within 30 days to a new location. It was complete chaos. But the, but the space that we found is, some, is a space that everyone loves. It's open. It's you know, all the stuff that people love about a, an old um, building in the middle of uh, downtown. Uh, anyway, now we're having to move again. And this one is being done, for lack of a better term, really, really not well. <laughs> I, that's the, I, I'm going to try and frame this well. Because... They've known since August, and slowly they, they've not talked to people about it. They haven't engaged anyone about it. And suddenly, out of the blue, oh, by the way, we're going to move. This is where we're going to move. This is when we're going to move. And the lease still isn't signed today. And we're supposed to move at the end of December. So everything you shouldn't do in change management is going on here. And everything you should do is being left aside. And so the, her, her talk was really good in terms of framing how it is that you really need to approach um, change management. Specifically, the most important one being time. You have to give people time to accept what it is. And the thing that I took is, is sometimes when we make changes, the best thing not to do, the best thing to do is to not make the change. 
if it mm. isn't going to work. She didn't say that in the talk, mm. but, it, but there was a very much implied state there that sometimes change for change is not the best course of action. Mm. Right? One of the things that stood out were um, <clears throat> Lynette's slides. The pictures of the cats were outstanding. Some of the best collection of cat photos I've I seen. was, uh, yeah, fantastic. Which we cannot do justice at all to in a podcast. podcast. No, so go and find that slide deck somewhere and just just she, revel. She worked in really the hard slides. in finding the right cats for yeah. the right slide <laughs> yeah. and the yeah. right topic there. Who knew cats were so expressive? That's all. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I just thought they were their cats. <laughs> I don't know. They could be. <laughs> could all be hers. They could be performance if cats. If they're all I hers, know. she's got a lot of cats because they were all different. a lot of cats. Yeah. <laughs> I should talk to Mark Tomlinson, mm. also one of the three, because we have, if nothing else, we have made a great advertisement for next year's Test Bash. Yeah, totally. So oh, far, yeah. so good. So tomorrow's my talk, so it could be you know, <laughs> a little shaky as I make a hand motion no one can see. But uh, if it's anything, if the day is anything, hopefully the talk's tomorrow are as good as today's mm. and no one will notice if I tank it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be good. Don't Your worry, you have at good. least three or four hecklers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll, I, st- we'll throw things. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so shall we wrap it up and get some dinner? Yes. Yeah. All right, this is going to be, I'm going to say it right here. Thank you for listening to episode 48 of AB Testing on the Road in Philadelphia. I'm Alan. I'm not Brent. I'm Vernon, but not related to Michael Richards. And, yeah, none of us are Brent. Brent, we don't miss you. (laughs) I'll see you soon, Brent, and the rest of you can hear from us on episode 49. Thanks.